Welcome to the Australia Sews podcast. This podcast celebrates the Australian home sewing community and shares stories from everyday sewers transforming their lives and their wardrobes. My name is Louise Sherry. My special guest today is Marty Collings, all the way from Wellington in New Zealand. Marty got into sewing in 2016 through an interest in steampunk fashion. If you don't know what steampunk is, neither did I until I started doing some research for this chat. Marty explains what steampunk fashion is and how that got him into sewing everyday clothes for himself and his lovely wife, Carol. I really enjoyed chatting to Marty about his sewing hobby and all the things he's discovered and learned so far. He is my new Kiwi friend, Marty. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Marty. Nice to be here. Before we begin, can you please tell our listeners what you're wearing today? I'm wearing a shirt I made for myself. It's um, from Liberty Fabric. It's from the um, Vogue range of patterns, but I'm um, modified for myself. Yeah. It's a nice shirt, actually. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's on the heavy end of, of cotton, so it's um, you know, it's kind of nice to to wear on afternoons and things where you know you're going to get a little bit cold later. So. Or at a party or something, you know, and you can hold out just a bit longer with it. <laughs> and dare I say you got that Liberty from the fabric store? That's right. <laughs> I don't know if there's one in Wellington. Is there oh, one there in is. Wellington? Oh, yep. okay. Yeah, that's just off Cooper Street. Well, we need to make a confession now that we just mentioned Wellington. You're not Australian. No. <laughs> but you're our Kiwi neighbour from New Zealand. So we welcome Kiwi neighbours. What's Wellington like? Well, it's... It's, it's no, non, known as the windiest city in, <laughs> in the world, probably. Is that for real? Is it really that windy? It, it is, yeah. If you're doing anything, you just have to expect something. If you're doing something outside, you expect it to get blown away. So you know, have a picnic or something, you're going you're gonna to take something to hold things down. Or um, you're washing, you have to be careful about where you, you know what time of day you put it out. Does that mean you um, see a lot of hats as well floating around? And, and umbrellas, broken umbrellas. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Um, and it gets quite cold in, in the city as well. So it could be a lovely sunny day like it is today, um, probably about 20 degrees in the sun. But when you get into the shade, you get a lot of breeze through the city and it, it can be hideous. <laughs> it sounds a little bit like Melbourne then. Yeah. Yeah, the unpredictable reason. seasons in four seasons in one day. Yeah. Yeah, like the song goes. <laughs> <laughs> In many of your Instagram photos, you're often photographed outside on a balcony with the most picturesque view of the city <laughs> below. Do you ever get sick of that view? No, it's, um, it's actually looking away from the city. We've, we've got um, a hill behind us and the city's behind us. We're looking out over um, suburbia, but um, it, it is a beautiful view. Yep. So let's talk about sewing. How long have you been sewing for now? Um, six years. Six years. So what's that? That's obviously pre-COVID. Yeah, uh, it was kind of nice actually um, having being a lockdown sewer as well, <laughs> like everyone else's. You're a big fan of steampunk fashion, but can you explain to our listeners what is steampunk? Is it like cosplay, um, or is it something completely different? I uh, wouldn't say it's cosplay. It's sort of Victorian futurism. It, it's as if the Victorian aesthetic carried on into the sci-fi future. Basically, if you get into it, you come up with a persona and an occupation. Oh um, wow! People diversify into different things, but generally, it's something—a a fun occupation, like a, um, a time traveler or a, or a sky pilot. You know, 
They're very um, well dressed, you know, yeah. in the tailored waistcoats and jackets. Yeah, well, that's 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 I guess the other sort of side of it is um, if you don't if you decide not to have an occupation or something, you could just be a gentleman or a, a gentle person around cool. town. What's your occupation? What's what did you pick for yourself? I, I'm actually just a um, a man about town. <laughs> <laughs> People need to go on the internet and Google it just so yeah. you can get an understanding of this steampunk fashion because it is yeah. quite unique. Mm. So how did you how did it start for you? I used to be an artist um, doing landscapes and and things like that, and um, I started drawing stuff because it, you know someone recommended to me that you know being an engineer my and my suit my aesthetic. I had this I ended up with about fifteen really nice um, portraits, and I, I thought, well, what about actually trying to sell them to some steampunks? And so I decided to um, diversify with that as well and do put them on some t-shirts and do some greeting cards. Wow. And what I did was um, sell them at a few conventions. So I, I went to some steampunk conventions. I thought, okay, I'll get my target audience. And and, and that was quite fun, actually. Um, I didn't actually sell any of the paintings, but I sold the greeting cards and the T-shirts. And what was interesting is I had to dress up. Well, you know, you don't have, you don't have to, but if you want to be authentically selling some stuff, you need to be a part of the culture. And so I that's how I sort of started sourcing thrifted things, waistcoats and things like that to be part of it. But what I realized it was um it was more about it was about the people that you meet and um everyone's so nice and supportive. But so sort of where the sewing starts coming into this is obviously I I I I stopped selling the, the bits and pieces and I stopped I started going to the conventions more myself. And so I wanted some uh, some quality things to wear. And I actually happened to be in Sydney um one weekend. We went to Gallery Serpentine. That's in uh Newtown. Yeah, so I went there and I actually spent about $500 on bits and pieces on some shirts and um, mm. a really nice coat and some goth boots. <laughs> and so I, I wore that to my first convention and it was, yeah, it, it just felt right. Except um, I noticed that everyone else had these really brightly coloured things and I had just something that was generically mm. coloured. You know, sort of, my thing was sort of coppery and brass with some black in it. Yeah, I, I started noticing maybe I could do more. You had envy. You had steampunk yeah, fashion envy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and what was interesting is um, you get chatting to people and they you know they start saying you know you're creative. You should start making some things yourself. So um, in, in New Zealand, there's a um, a really big convention. Uh, there's a couple of big ones, but there's one in Omaru, which is in the South Island. And the first time I went, I, I realised I had three months to build up a whole ensemble of clothes for it. And and so I found a whole lot of patterns, started making things, just, just boots in. <laughs> Did you know how to um, sew, though? The last time I'd sewed had been about 1987. <laughs> <laughs> so At about school? 29 years earlier. <laughs> But you were determined. You were determined to make some steampunk outfits for yourself. Yeah, and I and my wife went along with me as well. So she wanted an outfit as well. I think the women are actually more diverse with what they wear on this. Some might wear the waistcoat and trousers or whatever, and a you know a coat with tails or something, or or a leather outfit. There might be some sort of um, sky fighter or something, or or just create big colourful dresses. You know, a bustle or a crinoline. A lot of layers. One woman I know made a, a silk dress out of 27 metres of, of material. <laughs> wow. It looks absolutely fantastic. You've been to some big steampunk festivals. You actually went to the UK and attended the Lincoln Asylum Steampunk yeah. Convention. That's right. What was yeah. that like? 
Oh, it was, it was just amazing. The New Zealand one could be about a thousand people, but this was 10,000 people oh. at least. And everyone's in their element. You feel like yeah. you're with your <laughs> tribe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and what was what was funny is um, I knew um, two other Kiwis who went over there as well at the same time. So I hooked up with them and um, spent the day with them. They were there for three days. I was just there for one day. So yeah, I had some buddies to rock around with. What but, do you do uh, there? Is there some sort of like itinerary? Yeah, there usually is. There's usually um, workshops and talks. Fashion parades? Fashion parades, yeah. I've been in, in a couple. So is there a time and place then to wear steampunk fashion or can you just rock it anywhere like the supermarket? Probably not in the supermarket unless you're at, at a um, at a festival and you need to pop in to you know, get a sandwich or something. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm down in Omaru, I, I generally go steampunk the whole time there. So I, I don't have a big flamboyant coat if I'm going to go to the supermarket when I pull in, but I'm usually wearing a waistcoat and a hat or something. When you're at these festivals, you you could, you know, absorb You get away it. with it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you find many commercial patterns then that you can adapt to steampunk fashion or are you looking for the real costumey type patterns or coats mm, maybe some um, coats you can adapt there are some costume ones that i have adapted like this one that's behind me and so it's got like a leopard print is it no it's a it? um it's a brocade that's um, amazing yeah, can you describe what's behind you okay so it's a long men's coat that's a cream cotton fabric with black brocade on it with black velvet lapels and oh, cuffs. Amazing. And um, three big buttons on the front. <laughs> so would you have matching trousers for that jacket? Um, or? I, I do. Um, and that might be in one of my Instagram photos. They're very shiny trousers, ones I've made. Did you have any material left for like a cravat or a hat or something? Uh, yep. I've got um, I've got a cravat from that material and a hat band. <laughs> so, yeah. I do that with most of my things. I have a, a matching hat band. <laughs> You've got to keep your eye out for, for fabrics. So um, there's a, a fabric sale in New Zealand in mean, Wellington that comes up every now and then called Fabricabrac, which is sort of, that's for the Mary Potter Hospice. And people run stalls and, and the proceeds of those sales go there. And you can pick up some amazing fabrics there where, you know, someone might have it in their cupboard for 20 years, never used it. And everyone, and it's always written on how much material is there. I'm not after um, materials that are too light. And so often it's upholstery fabrics mm, okay, or um, curtain fabrics, things like that. Do they have to look vintage though? Yeah. You can pick up some vintage stuff as well. Um, I, I put, picked up a, a really nice jacquard woven material and made a waistcoat out of it. And it was just enough material. Um, and I've been at my local spotlight and in the upholstery section, there's some amazing like heavier fabrics that you think, oh, that would make a really interesting outfit, but obviously mm. not everyday outfit. But for you, I think it'd be perfect. Yeah, if I go to a spotlight or you know a fabric warehouse or something like that, um, and I see something, I have to have to buy about four meters or five meters just to be safe. Up, just to be safe. Well, I was actually very lucky last week. I bought four meters of um, linen for my wife to make a jumpsuit. Is um, it the Zadie jumpsuit? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You're still on the Zadie train. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I missed it by about two years, but. You know. <laughs> I haven't even started it yet. I'm, uh, I, I've, I've looked at the pattern. And I'm like, everyone loves mm. this Sadie jumpsuit. It suits so yeah. many body shapes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she, she likes wrap dresses and things. So it's perfect. But um, I should have bought five meters because we, we do cruises quite a bit. And I want I wanted to make a shirt and I, I, I miscalculated the width of the fabric. It was quite narrow. Yeah. Oh, no. I was actually very lucky that Mark, the sale prop, you know, they put a sale on it and it was, was unadvertised. Oh, and <laughs> that's always good when you get to the registers and you're like oh 
I actually yeah. saved some money here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it happens every now and then. But um, some of the fabric stores, are, I guess, are sort of dead stock stuff. So, you know, if you see it, you need to get it. You, you can't mess around. So you started in your in your head thinking, I'll make some steampunk outfits. But then you just went, well, I could sew for my wife. Is that Carol? Yeah. Carol? Yeah. And I could also make some clothes for myself. Yeah. So what did you then start doing in your wardrobe? What kind of clothes were you making? Well, yeah, I do like shirts, but I'm actually generally a T-shirt wearer during the day at work. So, I've yeah, I've been making T-shirts myself. It's actually quite hard to find, you know, cotton fabrics for men's T-shirts that are sort of semi-stretch, unless it's got lycra in it. Are you um, talking about jersey? Jersey no, knit? Or... Yeah. Yeah, a bit, a bit lighter, but yeah, it's sort of... Not a stretchy. sort of stuff. Yeah, about two percent. It's a two-way stretch or a four-way stretch. Four-way. You want a four-way. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Um, <laughs> and and I, I make most of Carol's clothes out of that as well. If she wants like a t-shirt dress or something. But yeah, so so I made lots of t-shirts myself. But every now and then I I do a shirt as well. I've got, I think I've got about eleven of them now. Did you just mm. teach yourself using YouTube? Um, yeah, I used um, Craftsy actually. So I, I got a subscription on there for a short time, and there's a sewer called Angela Wolf, um, and, and her, her classes were fantastic. Mm. And, um, and so there was, there was a few beginners classes there where you can actually type in comments while watching it. And I don't know if it was her, but someone at the other end would be replying if you had any questions and things. Yeah, so it was, it was just a it was a really good way to, to learn some of the basics and some of the things that you you don't pick up on your own. And I do have some steampunk sewer friends who have been very helpful as well. There's um, one woman who is, is quite prominent in the New Zealand steampunk community, uh, Jane Craven. And she's she does the most amazing dresses and quite the inspiration, mm. but, you know, never reluctant to help anyone or if you've got questions. So she's been very supportive. So yeah. when you started sewing for the con the conventions, did you think one day you might actually want to sew for Carol? Yeah, I think I think that was tied up in it as well because the um they've got all these interesting fabrics to try out and I, I you can't make men's stuff out of them. It just doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and um so that was a chance to try some some different things as well. And I, I'm I'm quite a creative person and I really do like the aesthetic of women's clothes. So as a chance to give that a try and, and actually learn to fit someone else too. <laughs> So what does she think about all this sewing that you're doing for yourself she, and for her? She really likes it, <laughs> obviously. I think that it certainly helps that I'm making things for her as well. But um, I've always been um, creative and doing stuff. Mm. I have to be doing something even while we're watching TV because I'm taking up space in the lounge with it. And so it's sort of um, a bit of payback to, <laughs> to the household. <laughs> so you've made for yourself, so pants, shirts t-shirts and her you've made dresses have you made anything else for her besides dresses have you tried I've, pants no um well i've mended some pants <laughs> <laughs> like a zip and things like that pants can be a little bit tricky yeah yeah um unless is she a pants wearer would she like oh, she, a pair she, of... she is but um yeah i guess I could try copying some of the ones that she's got or um finding a pattern that's that works does um, she have like a, a list of things that she'd like and you're just like trying to tick off the list <laughs> That Zadie jumpsuit, um, I was just sort of flicking through instant. I said, oh, you, you know, what do you think of this? Mm. Is that something that um, that you would like? Because she indicated that she quite likes mm. jumpsuits. So I've made two now. I'm just finishing one now. 
Well, I actually did a 12 first in cotton, and uh, so I did all the mods on that. The, the black and uh, gold one that I made was mm. as a synthetic fabric, and it was all the seams want, kept wanting to um, bulge out, mm. so I had to top stitch all the seams down. It was a, a hell of a lot of work, and I couldn't just iron it. It just, it just wanted to bulge everywhere, so um, she likes it, but it's, I, I think it's, it's not an everyday mm. enjoyable one to wear, so that's why I've made one out of, out of linen. It's interesting too, because you're so new at sewing. These are all the things beginner sewers learn about when they're buying fabrics. Some some fabrics you think look pretty and great, but then they just don't sew well. They don't feel well on, and that's mm. what you learn as you go. You're like, yep, I actually like linen. I don't like synthetics, or yes, I like wool. It's just all through learning, and mm. it's a great phase to actually be in. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I have to be honest. I haven't used that many different fabrics, so. I'd like to sort of push myself and, you know, try some different things. You know, it's easy to be in the safe zone, isn't it? But there's some amazing techniques you're already really good at. So welt pockets, do you mm. incorporate those in all your steampunk coats? Just the just the waistcoats. Mm -hmm. But I have done um, like a salmon blazer for myself where I had those instead of the um, fake welt pockets. So, um, yeah, I think I, might be, I can't remember the, the pattern. It might have been a Vogue one or it was just... It didn't even have a lining, <laughs> so I had to uh, make up a lining for myself as well. It, uh, yeah, it was it was actually quite vague. Yeah, it's funny, yeah. isn't it? And are you still working on your collar technique, or have you got that down pat now? Shirt collars, I'm, I'm fine with. The collars themselves, without a velvet, are pretty challenging. Without a what? Sorry, out uh, of velvet. Oh, in velvet fabric. Yeah. Like this one behind me. It's challenging because of its flimsiness. Is it? Do you put like a um defacing into it or something? Yeah. But yeah, the, the velvet's incredibly slippery and doesn't form nice points. So Yes. Yeah. I've made a twirl of a shirt at the moment and I struggled with the collar. So I'm hoping that my second attempt, because I'm cutting into the good <laughs> fabric now, I'm just praying <laughs> that I can get like nice pointy collars. Mm. Yeah, there's nothing better than pointy collar. <laughs> oh no. I'm scared. <laughs> Yeah, and um, on on shirts as well. There's that little rounded bit. Yes, how do you do that? That's uh, it's taken me a few goes to really get that right. Mm. You probably can't see so well, but yeah, you, you know how it is. Um, it just pokes out. Mm. I find that yeah, I did not have good success with that roundy bit at the front. Yeah, the the fine is that I, a trick. But I find the hardest is so much material in there. You've got all mm. these folded layers and things. Mm. You always have to hand stitch it just at the end. Oh. Um, to to make it tidier, yeah. That's well. That's what you know. Like a bit of a slip stitch that kind of pulls it all together. Oh, okay. Mm. Maybe I'll just have to practice <laughs> the collar before I cut into my really good fabric. Yeah, the rest is all right. Yeah, and and I've also found that I um before I I cut the the facing, you know, that rounded bit that goes on the inside of the collar, I I check the size of the shirt and the size of the the collar itself and. So I don't always use the exact pattern of the facing. I, I might adjust it depending on how the shirt has moved. Oh, okay. And even though I've yes. faced the top edges of the shirt to stop it moving. Yes. It's, it's never quite right. And so, yeah. Especially takes... with um, hem uh, seam allowance. Mm. So if you don't give the right amount of seam allowance that the pattern has said you should, mm. then it, the proportions could be out as well. Yeah. Well, sometimes things really come together. Like um, some um, what I found was the indie patterns actually come together better mm. if you follow the seam allowances. But a lot of the ones that are the big names, mm. they actually don't work so well sometimes. But isn't that fun breaking the rules? Like if they tell mm. you to do something, you're like, I'm going to do my own thing. <laughs>
Yeah, only the 12. <laughs> so what experiences have you had then with the big four and indie patterns? Did you start with the big four and Yeah. then f discover indie patterns and go, whoa, these I've are... only sort of done indie recently, Mm. um, since sort of getting onto Insta and seeing what everyone's doing with them. They're so well thought out. And the instructions. Yeah, I mean, the instructions chalk and cheese. are amazing. Yeah. I actually bought myself, um, when I first started sewing, I bought myself a Vogue and Butter instructional book. It was like a step-by-step -step book that actually showed you how to uh, drill down into the icons and, and instructions that they use in their patterns. Um, they had more information about how to do the steps. Never heard of that book before. Yeah, Vogue Butterick Step-by-Step Guide to Sewing Techniques. hang on. Mm. So what did that book teach you then? Basically, it taught me all of the techniques that you need for making collars, um, sleeves, it just it, every single thing that you need. So we, you know, quite often I found I was scratching my head about, you'd be in the middle of a pattern, and Mm. it's like, you need to do this, and there's some real hieroglyphic type pictures, and you just have no Yes. idea what it is. So you just go to that book and it'll tell you exactly what you need to do. Yeah, Oh. so kind of very helpful. It's better than like kicking the sewing <laughs> machine and stomping off like a, a child. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I mean, I haven't got that many um, sewing books, and, and I've got another one called um, the McCall's Sewing Book from 1963. Did you find that on eBay or something? I actually found it at a local bookstore, so it's, it's very dated in terms of its tone and its um, and the aesthetic that it's, it, it's telling the, the home sewer mum how to you know make clothes for the family and things but it's it's, it's diabolical but um <laughs> it does tell you a lot of um how to alter things you know if you've got um problems with bunching in this certain area or whatever you know how do you change the pattern to suit and that's one of the biggest things that i've had to i've sort of struggled with is body shapes and trying to alter patterns Mm. 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 For yourself and for Carol. Yeah. And I've I've done um I've signed for two other people as well. Um It's interesting, and isn't it? That you think it will just fit right out of the packet <laughs> and it just doesn't. It doesn't fit. Yeah. I actually had a bit of a challenge with a friend asked me to sew a feature dress in um a musical. And it's the Ladies in Black um musical uh, set, set in Melbourne in a um fashion shop. And so the hero dress is the one that this young woman covets and she wants to wear it and so i was asked to design and sew that one Wow. And have you finished um it? oh yeah this was quite a while ago Oh. it was ah uh, i think it was just before covid came along And did you think, I don't know if I can do this. mm. well it's it a lovely big gown and it was it's white with red sort of like a red pattern on it on on the skirt i thought So, i'd give it a try <laughs> it was it was wow. it was very challenging but um but i was actually very lucky because the um the lead wardrobe woman's very talented and she helped me out so we actually worked together on it And and were you happy with the final product? oh it, yeah it was yeah it was absolutely amazing so uh, polly the the wardrobe lead she um she finished it off with doing some beads and things um i actually fell down with a really bad cold <laughs> as i was finishing it and i i couldn't i just couldn't do it which is a real bummer because it would have been great to finish it myself um And when you'd finished it, did you think, I'm never making one of these ball gowns ever again? <laughs> well not in white <laughs> and and there was a certain sumptuous um sumptuous um feel i wanted from the fabric you know like when you get a really nice expensive uh white satin but i had to do it on the cheap so i actually um i sort of messed around a bit by using like a white linen 
like a heavy cotton yeah. with sort of like a synthetic, clear synthetic layer that I sewed on top and it had the sort of it refracted the light through onto the, um, the white underneath and it just looked awesome. I feel like that's your engineering creative brain thinking then, like mm. how can I replicate the look of like a high quality satin? Yeah. <laughs> Very clever. And, yeah, was, I went all over Wellington to try and find material and I, I just had to settle for that. So I did a few I did a few tests and things to see which one would look the best. Yeah, so that was, yeah. Do you find there's a lot of or enough unisex or men's patterns out there that you can create clothes from for yourself? Oh, they're all very basic. I haven't seen that many indie men's patterns yet because I'm sort of only touching on the women's ones at the moment. But yeah, I, I think I need to investigate this because the, the men's mm. ones are very basic. They're either cosplay type ones with... Um, you know, the areas of steampunk or Georgian or something like that. Or even um, just T-shirts, you know, pants, mm. you know, just say you wanted to make yourself a pair of chinos or something. Like, yeah. is it easy to find a pattern? Or you haven't really explored? I've, like I've got said, a couple yeah. of sort of chinos type patterns, um, but they look very conservative. But I guess it comes down to what fabric you use. So um, maybe there's a need. Mm. There's a need for more, yeah. more of these patterns out there if the demand's there. Yeah, well, I actually um I made myself some notes before our conversation, and I was thinking if there was something I wanted to do going forwards, it would be to maybe try and develop some of my own patterns wow. and see where that led me. What kind of mm. things would you think people would be interested in? And is it women's patterns or men's? I was thinking men's maybe some women's. men's ones, but um you know, shirts that maybe um a male sewers might be able to take on. You know, that's not. You know, if he's looking to get into making mm. some clothes and he doesn't, like, uh, I think maybe some men don't want to make women's clothes and maybe just stuff for themselves. And and, um, and some of these, um, you know, the big four, they're actually really complicated to follow. Why do you think there isn't like a big male community out there of sewists? I mean, you are obviously uh, mm. in the minority when you look at, you know, Instagram <laughs> feeds. Yeah. Outside of the steampunk community, I don't think there's many. <laughs> there, there is actually a few. There's quite a few steampunks in New Zealand who are, you know, guys. But I don't think in, in the sort of the um, our region there's that many. Um, maybe they get scared of the connotations to, of being a sewer. It's hard to say. Like the Europeans, from what I've seen, there's actually loads of men sewers, tailors, and making some great dresses and things. But there's, yeah, there's, there's not, doesn't seem to be that many down our way. Unless they're, they're tailors, you know, for, actually for a job. Or high street um, clothing alterations, you know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Have you seen the Great British Sewing Bee? Yeah. And were you surprised, like me, to see that there were so many male sewers out there doing like, mm. amazing things? Yeah. Amazing. It, yeah, it was quite the inspiration. I've, I've, I've only watched a couple of seasons, but um, it was. Uh, but I think that's I think, the European thing, you know, rather than down there end of the world. Mm. I mean, I, I work in a sort of a creative environment with engineers and designers. And a couple of those guys actually, you know, now that I think of it, they actually um, do a little bit of home sewing, you know, for mending things and stuff like that. But mm. clothes are so cheap. I mean, yeah. why would anyone bother sewing if you can buy something mm. really cheap from the shop? Yeah, clothes are cheap. I, I think it's quite nice wearing something that's been nicely made or a chosen, you know, like, no, I don't think many people would have this fabric and... Exactly. It's one of a kind, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. the that's part of the appeal mm. of sewing is no one is going to have that outfit like mm. you. Yeah. 
But if I was going to make one for someone, I, I wouldn't want to do it for free. I wouldn't charge my my work charge out rate to to make something for someone. Oh, it'd be hundreds. Yeah. And no one's going to pay so, that, are they? <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, I mean, I've I've been honest with a few people and said, you know, this is probably one hundred and twenty dollar shirt. Yeah. And that's probably um. It, that's the labour, right? The labour, yeah. not just the materials. Plus material, yeah. Mm. Have people asked you to uh, sew for them? Ah, uh, yeah. But uh, it's um, apart from um, a couple you give, of um, you give female them the reality friends, check. No, yeah, no one's quite um, come through and said, "Okay, let's get serious. Let's make this." But um, I do do have a guy, uh, a friend who's um, in theatre, and he really does like my coats. In fact, mm. he used one of my coats at a um, in a pantomime he was in, so he was quite excited about that. So I might be hearing from him. <laughs> That's awesome because you are quite talented in sewing even you've only been doing it for a short amount of time but i can see you're really using the logic part of your brain to really try and understand techniques and how things mm. go together yeah it's i, I really like you know being an engineer i like process mm. <laughs> and things to be structured so I, I do plan ahead and do my trials to make sure things work out but sometimes it doesn't quite work out <laughs> so how often are you sewing then um i try and do a, a few hours on the weekend but you know you usually we're pretty busy maybe half an hour a night that's not oh, doesn't sound okay. like a lot but you or, try and get into it almost every day do you yeah yeah my uh, my sewing area is also like a work from home area so i have to get ready to pack everything up and put it away mm. for it to be used and then you know during the day and then i can get my stuff back out again so it's it's a little bit inconvenient but it's just the way it is does carol mm. sew as well or have you tried teaching her or is she happy um, just for you to have the hobby or to yourself mm. No, I've started um, started teaching her, so I think she's probably more excited about having a finished product than um, the sort of the journey to make it. But you know, we've done a couple of things together, so um, I'm hoping to do more. Is um, she into it, or do you feel uh, like? <laughs> I, 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 for the most part, I think probably my um, engineering nature <laughs> uh, makes it easier for myself to actually do the sewing than someone else. Like, not everyone's into all the techniques. Plus, yeah. now you have to share share the sewing machine and overlocker, and it's not all to yourself um, anymore. Oh, no, I'm not sharing my machine. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an old brother, um, the one that I started oh, on. Oh, she gets the discarded machine. Yeah. I mean, I'd be quite happy to show her how to use the Janome that I've got, but I'm always using it. <laughs> it's mine. Yeah. Nice digital machine, you know, where you, you press the button and it cuts mm. the, the thread for you. And, yeah. Yeah. Can I ask about your hobbies? So I believe you're also into board games, but not just any old board game, like Monopoly or Cluedo. No. <laughs> what do you play? I play um, European games. Um, Such as? They're, or they're called Euro games. So um, Wingspan is one that we're playing a lot at the moment. Um, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> it's it's, it's um, a bird-based one where you um, collect bird cards and there's different sorts of birds and they have different powers. We get quite a few games on Kickstarter, so I don't know if you're aware of how how big it is. No, <laughs> um, I'm not, but I know there are there yeah. are people who sew that love this stuff, love it. Yeah, Carol's really into board games, and so um, where she get quite a few. That's her her hobby is she loves board games, and we've got one called Dog Park recently. You walk dogs and. <laughs> In a park, but you're collecting clients and you're collecting certain kinds of dogs. It's yeah, um, it's hard yeah, to explain, it, isn't it? It's, it is hard to explain. Um, I, I guess that the games are generally sort of resource management type games, 
they're not just you're not following a, a course through the game and often it's a series of rounds where resources become a bit more scarce and more expensive and a lot of strategy involved in these games as well we've got a friday night board game group that we have a great time with do you dress up as well in some of your steampunk <laughs> outfits oh no <laughs> Although I do have a steampunk board game, so um, I've been meaning to get together with some steampunk friends and play that. All right, I've got a little quiz here for the end. Are you happy to take part in the quiz? Okay. I normally ask people to answer in one word or one sentence, but if you need to elaborate, that's fine too. Here we go. True or false, a few years ago now, you made a matching black and white polka dot outfit for a cruise for you and your partner, Carol. Yep. You and Carol are big fans of cruising. Now that travel has opened up again, have you got a cruise planned? Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> Where are you going? Tropical North Queensland. Have you so, been to North uh, Queensland yeah, before? Th yeah, this is could be cruise number four up that way. And yeah. when is it? Just in the new year. Nice. So it's going to be pretty hot. <laughs> have you got a matching outfit planned for that one? Oh, um, well, I, I was hoping that the Zay jumpsuit I'm making would work, but I've got to find some more fabric that matches it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we we do have our our standard ones that we that we wear. Um, we will be wearing that polka dot one, and um, there's a, a yellow and silver dress I made for Carol quite a while back. It's from it's a Gucci dress. Oh, nice! And I've got a matching waistcoat for that. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Do people have... kind of stare at you and ask questions when you <laughs> yes. walk out matching? <laughs> yes, I mean it's not unusual for couples to wear matching, you know, shirt and dress. And on can, a cruise ship yeah, yeah on a cruise ship it's a sort of it's a fun thing to do but often it's people that have gone you know been to the islands or somewhere and these shops have just five different kinds of fabric and everything's made from it <laughs> so. i know you love steampunk fashion but do you own a pair of brass goggles <laughs> yes i do one pair <laughs> three <laughs> <laughs> i looked it up apparently it's a standard steampunk accessory it is and I, I didn't mention that earlier in, in our discussion, but um, and often it's attached to your hat. Oh, and you've also made you also made an amazing men's corset from a plaid mm. fabric you picked up from the thrift store, and it had boning in it. Yeah, yeah. So I use that um, spiral like lock steel boning, and I actually um, I did some research. I, I wanted to see what um, making corsets was like, and um, I found Arania Black. She does some really good patterns, free patterns on the net, um, and some really good um, YouTube videos. So I, I turned one of her patterns into a men's corset. It was a mixture of one of hers and um, I think a, a Birda men's waistcoat pattern. So I hacked the two together. So what's um, the difference between a corset and a vest for a man? Um, the boning um, and pulling it in at the, at the waist a little bit more. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and also and also the panels. So you've got those vertical panels around um, a, mm. a corset, which I, I tried to accentuate those, um, and also the lacing at the back. So I yeah I taught myself how to do corseting just to do so that. So there's one. lacing at the back. So you, yeah. that means Carol needs to hoik you into it. That's not too bad. I um I haven't got it that tight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you can put it on yourself. I can put it on myself. With the buttons at the front, is it? Or? Yeah, it's got the, um, oh, I can't remember what they're called. It's, it's got those, oh, yes, um, those, those class, uh, special clasps mm. that, that corsets have. So I pull on my belly, take a big breath and tighten it up. <laughs> oh, that sounds like torture to me. Yeah. Although I have, um, <laughs> I have back problems when I'm standing around a lot, my back starts hurting. So it's actually perfect. Wow. Yeah. 
You also have some amazing buttons and things. Where do you find these buttons? Mm. Um, I, I get most of them from Pete's Emporium. From where, sorry? Pete's Emporium. Is that an It's, online store? um, they may have an online one, but it's actually like a bargain bin sort of a place where you, you can go there and find anything, you know, Like a you, you could, shop? you, yeah, yeah, like you, you could, um, you could find, you could get paint there, wigs, <laughs> and they've got, um, they've got the, like a big rack of buttons and they're about a dollar each and it doesn't really matter what design it is. It's actually really affordable. Wow, Um, so they're not obviously made of brass. Maybe they're made of some other cheaper metal, but they look Yeah. so authentic. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I don't want to spend a lot of money on authentic brass ones unless I, I, I find some in a, like a secondhand store or something. Some are brass, but And that's when yeah. you hit the jackpot, when you're like, oh, Yeah. wow, I can't believe I've just found these <laughs> yeah. for like a dollar I mean, or two dollars. yeah. So some people might be a bit against having cheaper bits and pieces on a really nicely made coat, but um, sometimes I, it doesn't bother me if it suits the aesthetic. If I've got a something I'm making, I usually keep a few swatches of fabric in my bag all the time. And if I'm going past that, that store, I'll pop in there and see if, if I've got something. And even if you do find the real deal later on, <laughs> it, a button is an easy thing to take off and on, you know? mm. Yeah, the, the, the only issue is the size of the button Mm. and, and the buttonhole. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Which, um, yeah, actually I made <laughs> something for Carol about a year ago that had uh, 15 buttons down the front of it. but you're skilled at buttonholes now because you've got your computerized Yeah, sewing buttonhole machine. it. Yeah, just put your button in, in that And little press start. bracket and it's, yeah, press go. You feel like a cheat. <laughs> oh, when you've got 15 buttonholes to do, that's, that's not cheating. And and also I, I use that um, sort of starchy glue that you can put in Ah <laughs> oh, yes. um, to, to set the button and then cut it so it doesn't fray. Yeah, that's a good idea. I've heard some people use nail polish as well, Yep, but I've probably never tried probably the it. same stuff. It smells like nail polish. True or false? Your cat Katie often doubles as a fabric weight. True, <laughs> very true. What else does Katie get up to when you're attempting to sew something? Oh, she, she she's been trained not to jump on tables, uh, which is very good. She so she doesn't jump on tables, but um, when I'm cutting out fabric, she just can't help herself. She has to sit on it. She'll grab my arm if I'm sewing though, and she's hungry. Usually about um, four thirty in the afternoon, she'll be meowing and grabbing my arm. What Yeah, about but thread? Does she make a mess of thread? no, no, Bobbins? she no. Oh, that's <laughs> good. yeah, Does she eat um. anything that she shouldn't be eating? No, uh, no she, she's actually um, the best cat I've ever had. So, so she, most of the in the photos you see her sitting on a bit of fabric or something, you know, looking like a fabric weight, and that's all she all she's doing. She's actually quite happy just to sit there. And I, I quite like including that um, photos of her in my posts because um, I know how many other um, sewists out there are cat freaks, so That's right. <laughs> it tickles everyone's funny bone. I know you've attempted a gown, but would you ever attempt a wedding dress? Ooh. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just too much pressure. <laughs> I've got a couple of friends who are wedding dressmakers, mm. and there's a lot of time and effort goes into them. And I can see why they cost five to ten grand. Yeah. Yeah, and the stress of the the bride being unhappy with it is just too high. <laughs> Last question. What do your friends think about your sewing hobby, your non-sewing friends? I think everyone's actually really impressed and supportive. 
some friends ask me, well, you know, what are you making at the moment? Well, that's it. Thank you so much, Marty, for coming on the podcast. I've really enjoyed our chat today. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me. It's had a good time. Thank you for listening to the Australia So's podcast. If you know someone from Australia who would be great to have on the show, email australiasospodcast at gmail.com or send me a message on Instagram at australiasos underscore podcast. You are more than welcome to nominate yourself. You can also find me on Instagram at make underscore thrift underscore sew. Now, back to sewing.